Good morning, everybody. Christ in us, the hope of glory. We've been talking for a while here, not about the life we've been saved from, but about the life we've been saved to. And it really, it's a completely different life. It's not just that really bad things aren't going to happen to us now and in the future. It's that we have the offer of abundant life now and into the future. And there's a process. So one of the interesting things in God is that things are both completely true always and becoming true at the same time. And there's a line in that song we sung this morning that said, when we were refugees, you were the one who took us in. And I was lucky a while ago to get to meet some refugees in New Zealand who had come here from pretty much certain death in the natural and had been saved to New Zealand from certain death by the choice of the New Zealand government. And they were at this, they come in for six weeks and they get their basic needs met. So they get fed and housed and we try and find them a job. And at the end of that six weeks, they are given their documentation. So they are given residency in New Zealand. So from that day, it's a, it's a big celebration because from that day, they have access to all of the privileges that anyone else who's resident in New Zealand has. And I'm just going to read you, as I was watching this, it was very kind of naturally moving, but what he said to me about the parallels to, to our life in him. At the refugee farewell session today, I saw parallels. These people were rescued out of imminent death, not by anything they could do, but by asking and receiving the gift of the Kingdom of New Zealand. They were overwhelmed by the kindness, generosity and acceptance of the people of New Zealand. Their response was to want to live lives worthy of the, kingdom, of the kindness shown to them, to use their freedom in the service of the kingdom that saved them. But their process was now having been received and given the rights of the kingdom of New Zealand to learn the way of this new kingdom and to receive the benefits of being, the full benefits of being resident here, a completely different kingdom. Many of these benefits, freedom in the form of free health care, freedom from the fear of imminent death, freedom for women to walk down the streets without fear of attack, are foreign to them, and new ways of being need to be taught. So it is with us as citizens of heaven. We have been received not through our ability, but through the kindness and generosity of the king. Our journey is to let the king teach us the ways of this kingdom. They are higher than our own. To walk in the fullness of the culture of this kingdom life and life abundantly. Amazing, eh? Uh, and a lot of what I'm going to talk about is this, this posture. So we don't save ourselves and we don't sanctify ourselves either. We don't bring ourselves into this abundant life. But there is a relational posture that we need to be in to allow that to happen. So if you think about these people, it was really, it was overwhelming. These people were like, I want to give my life for this amazing country that saved me. I was going to die. My kids were going to die. But the ways they know are not the ways that would be appropriate to show gratitude in New Zealand, necessarily. And also, the freedom they know today, or on that day, is minuscule compared to the freedom that's actually on offer here. 
And that's my experience too. I remember being here not long after I was, had met the Lord. And I knew that I had been rescued out of death and into life. I knew. It was like the colours were bright at that moment. I knew that. I'd been completely ruled and reigned by fear, and I wasn't anymore. And I remember saying to him, if you never answered another prayer my whole life, I would serve you for the rest of my life. And I remember him, because I would. <laughs> like, that's enough, right? And I, all he said to me is, there's more, Joe." And really what we're talking about here and what our journey is is the more. It's not in any way to derogate the enormity of that, but we're talking about the more. So the framework for today's conversation is actually the letter... Those of you who've been here for the last couple of months will know that Greg invited us, or the Holy Spirit invited us via Greg, to sit with the Lord and write a letter. And if you haven't done it, I'd invite you to, because it's a, hopefully we're hearing from him all the time, but actually kind of setting aside all of the other conversations we might be having with him and saying, what do you want to say to me now, is really worthwhile. So what I'm going to do, I'm actually going to read you the whole of this letter but there's two or three things in here that point for us to the posture of transformation. So I'll dig into them a bit more. So for the, to make this make sense, for those of you who don't know, most people call me Joe, but my full name's Joanne, and Joanne comes from John, and that will be referenced in here. So, Joe, like your namesake John, you are the one who I love. My faithfulness to you does not rest on your faithfulness to me. Your faithfulness rests on mine. It is a fruit of your relationship with me. Your name means grace of God. It is this grace that you're called to live from, demonstrate, and extend to others. Your name is no accident. And then he reminded me of a scripture in Isaiah 58, where it says, You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Then he goes on to say, As I said to you a few months ago, rest in my goodness, the goodness you have tasted and seen, the goodness you know. Don't let your questions cause you to pull away from me. I'm showing you that my grace is sufficient. My power is and will change you as long as you allow it to. Remember how I spoke courage over you many years ago. You are not becoming courageous. I am making you courageous. Your role has been to be positioned to receive that work, vulnerable and outside of your comfort zone. I have been faithful even when you have not. It is not about you, Joe. It's about me. <laughs> Cutting egg. <laughs> you are starting to see this, and as you come to truly see who I am, the things you are yet to overcome yourself will bow to me. So, honestly, if you haven't sat with him, do, because it's beautiful. So there are, I think, probably three keys that we're going to talk about from this letter. The first one has come through loud and strong this morning. So, you are the one that I love. So his love... For us is, when I first started writing this, I, I put that his love for us is the starting point. 
but actually his love for us is the beginning, the middle, and the end. <laughs> so it's eternal and unchanging. And it, when I was writing this, I was like, okay, so then I'll move on. <laughs> and he's like, no, we need to dwell here, because this is what we do all the time. We go, I know God loves me, and now I'm off trying to learn some greater mystery or do some other thing or whatever. <laughs> but when we understand that we weren't created to be saved from hell, we were created for relationship. We were created for family. So when you think family, healthy family, you think love. So this is the everything, is his love for us. Not, yeah, I, my own thinking needs to be realigned. It's not the starting point. It's the whole <laughs> And what he's asking us is, do you really believe that for yourself? Or do you believe it in general terms? Like, God loved the world, I'm in the world, God loves all people, I'm a person. Or do you know deep, 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 deep that you are the one that he loves? When I used to read, because in the Gospel of John, he refers to himself that way. And when you first come across it, it's a bit strange, you're like, it's pretty full of yourself thing to say, particularly given that you, you know that he loves others too. Like, why are you saying that you're the disciple? He doesn't ever say the only one. But, I th- you know, John knew that. And the other thing is that if you don't know that about yourself, I'd contend you don't really know it about anybody else. You only know the depth of God love that you have experienced is the depth that you understand that he has for others. So it actually impacts on the functioning of the family too. When we don't know the depths of his love for us and the unchanging nature of it, we'll tend to find that our relationship with him is more up and down. So we'll feel really close to him when we feel like we're doing good things for him and we'll feel more far away from him when we feel like things aren't going well. So that's one sign that there might be deeper to go. The other thing is, if we don't know that he loves us and wants the best for us, it will be hard for us to hear his correction, and we need to be able to hear his correction. So Hebrews says, receive the discipline of the Lord as sons, or something like that. It says, basically, you know that you're a son and that he loves you if he's disciplining you. If you don't know that, then you will hear it as rejection. And it will put a barrier in the relationship rather than drawing you into the relationship. And we shouldn't feel bad about not knowing that to the depths of our being. Because that's why we have a life, partly, is because there's things he needs to work out. He doesn't sort everything out on salvation. The other reason I say that is because I'm going to read you the prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians 3, where he's praying this for a church that seemed to be doing pretty well. He's praying for them to know more deeply the love of God. So if he's praying that for them, we shouldn't be surprised if we need to be praying that for us. Okay? So here's what he says. For this reason, I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, 
and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do abundantly more, to do, let's try that again. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations. Amen. So two things there. One is he's praying for us to know that more deeply. And then after it says to know that love that surpasses knowledge, so he's pointing to the fact that it's, a, it's not a knowing in the idea sense, it's a, a knowing in our being. Um, love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. So this fullness of God, this full life we're talking about, is connected to that knowledge of the depths of God's love for us. So let's keep going after that. Awesome if you think you've fully got it, but I look at some of my behaviours and I go, sometimes I, I relate to God as if I don't really know that. So don't be, don't move on too quickly, I guess. And it's not a sequence, like until I know that, I can't do anything else. But let him lead you. If he's talking to you about that, talk to him about that. Let him lead the conversation. So the second point that he makes here, my faithfulness to you does not rest on your faithfulness to me. Your faithfulness rests on mine. It's a fruit of your relationship with me. So at the time I wrote this, I was in this, a couple of months ago, kind of, I just had this recognition of how great his faithfulness was, and that mine wasn't of the same quality. And I was in this place, I was like, well, it's not, you know, you know you can't really do anything about it, but you're feeling a bit like you should. And I was driving one day, and I was saying to him, Lord, this is the, this is it. And the Holy Spirit said to me, do you know that faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit? And it's just one of those complete flips in the conversation where I was saying, here's what I'm not, and he is saying, actually, (laughs) that comes from being in relationship with me. I will make you that way. And can you see how that's a completely different conversation? One's about what I can't do, and that's true, that is absolutely true, but the other's about what? he can do and intends to do. And it's amazing how subtle it can be. You know, it's not always big things. It can just be small little ways that we start to go, well, that's my part, I haven't done enough, rather than going, actually, what are you saying, Lord? So I'm going to give you a, a scripture that makes it quite unsubtle. And the way it makes it unsubtle is because it, it shows you the behaviour really starkly in the external. So we'll go to Isaiah 30. So we won't read all of this, but I just want to give you the two ways of operating or being that we're talking about here. So he starts, and this goes to a bit of what we talked about before, about there's nothing, he's not passive, so some of the things he says are quite sharp. The reason they're quite sharp is because he's saying, hey, this is completely wrong track, and if I, I want you to know that it's completely wrong track. 
So it starts off, Woe to the rebellious children, declares the Lord, who execute a plan but not mine, and make an alliance but not by my spirit, in order to add sin to sin, who proceed down to Egypt. So Egypt talks of the ways of the world, the natural ways of doing things. Who proceed down to Egypt without consulting me, to take refuge in the safety of Pharaoh, and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore the safety of Pharaoh will be your shame, and the, shelter, and the shelter in the shadow of Egypt, your humiliation. We'll move down a little bit more. We'll go to verse 6. because It's quite a lot of how badly this turns out for them, but we'll skip through some of it. Through a land of distress and anguish, for where come lionesses and lion, viper and flying serpent, they carry their riches on the backs of young donkeys and their treasures on camels' humps to a people who cannot profit them. Verse 9, for this is a rebellious people, false sons, sons who refuse to listen to the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, you must not see visions, and to the prophets, you must not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us pleasant words, prophesy illusions. Get out of the way, turn aside from the path, let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. Since you have rejected this word, and you have put your trust in oppression and guile, guile is like cunning, like trying to work things out yourself, and have relied on them, Therefore, this iniquity will be to you like a breach about to fall, a huge bulge in the wall. He goes on. Basically, what he's saying is if you want to go that way, if you want to get help from the ways of the world, then you'll get the help that the world gives you, which is oppression and burden. So he's... He's letting them eat the fruit of their hands. So the prophets here, you know, the prophets and the seers have said, presumably, hey, there's another way. And they've said, we don't want to hear about that. We're going this way. We're taking our treasure over here. But then in verse 15, for thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, in repentance and rest you will be saved, in quietness and trust is your strength. We'll jump down to verse 18. Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. O people in Zion, inhabitant in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. Although the Lord has given you bread of privation and water of oppression, he, your teacher, will no longer hide himself. But your eyes will behold your teacher. Your ears will, be, will hear a word behind you. This is the way, walk in it. Wherever you turn, to the right or to the left, and you will defile your graven images overlaid with silver and your molten images plated with gold. You will scatter them as an impure thing and say to them, be gone. So I'm not going to go into all of the details of that, but what I want you to just feel is the difference between this burdensome going to Egypt for help, relying on Egypt and its ways, versus in repentance and rest you'll be saved, and quietness and trust is your strength. We're going to talk a little bit more later about what repentance is, but summarise. Rather than going into the words, it's like the whole thing is a sense that rather than the world being the source, God is the source. So what are his thoughts? What are his ways and quietness and trust? What's he saying? Can you see how different they are? 
and how different the consequences are. So in one, there's this, you know, everything implodes. And in the other one, there's just the sense of confidence and surety of a voice will tell you whether to go to the right or the left. So that speaks of, so going back to the, my example of your faithfulness is a fruit of your relationship with me. So it's about connection. That's what that's talking about, eh? It's not about going off to try and sort things out. It's about waiting and being connected to the one who is the source. So Jesus uses, well, I'm going to give you a couple of pictures that he uses of this connection. Greg's already talked about one this morning. So John 15, verse 4 to 6, is where Jesus talks about abiding in him, about him being the vine and us the branches. So again, remembering what we're talking about here is how do we become what he's calling us to be? How do we come into the abundant life that he's saying is possible? So he says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who, ab- he who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Connection, connection, flow. So the other one is the one that Greg spoke a little bit out of before in Matthew 11, from verse 28. So Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So there's the come to me, and then there's the yoking, that's the connection. So the yoke typically used between two animals to keep them connected so that one wouldn't pull away from the other and to distribute the weight across the two. So what he's saying here, he says, come, but the next instruction then is stay connected to me, take my yoke and learn from me. So this is that teaching in the refugee picture. This is the piece about I think differently, I act differently My kingdom's a different kingdom. He often says to me when when he's trying to get something through to me, let me teach you. Let me teach you. (laughs) I'm the teacher. Another scripture that relates to this and which really goes to the how close we can be to God and how approachable this enormous God is is in Hebrews 4 from verse 14 where we say, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathise with our weaknesses, but one who's been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. 
It's important for us to know that he does know what it's like. Not just one reason for that is so that we know that it's possible to be like him, even though he was like us. But the other reason is that he's not unsympathetic. He knows what it was like. And that's, for me, part of what makes him approachable. The other thing to, to notice about this letter and about the way he relates to us when you read the word, when he talks to you, is he relates to us on the basis of the high calling. So he doesn't talk to us a lot about our lack. He talks to us about who he sees us to be. And if you don't understand that he can do that because he's confident in his ability to come through on that, it can feel like he is being quite unreasonable. But actually it's because he created us and he knows that he is capable of performing on his word. He showed me this really clearly in terms of our relationship with our son middle of last year where he... um, he was misbehaving reasonably significantly at school. And that did have to be dealt with. There were things that needed to be put in place around that. But my attitude towards that, I was, I was puzzled by it. I was like, why would someone like you be behaving like that? So I wasn't blind to the behaviour, but it just was not the place of relationship for me with him. Because as his parent, I see his potential. And so often there were consequences and things that needed to be put in place around the behaviour to make sure he can come into that potential, but that's not the place of relationship. The place of relationship is our beloved son. The place of relationship is what we know God's spoken over his life. And the other interesting thing about that as a parent is that I'm happy to talk to you if his behaviour is having impacts that we need to manage together, but I'm not happy to have conversations about who he is that are not consistent with who God says he is. So if I heard you saying that he was naughty and da-da-da in a kind of a defining that's all he is way, then you will see my protection come out. So there will be discipline for him, but there will also be, actually, (laughs) yeah, this is my beloved son. And we need to be mindful of that in terms of our posture towards each other. So just back a little bit to the, to the, like that picture made those options look really starkly different. Like that looked so stupid that you'd be going to Egypt when God was there waiting for you. 
But we're choosing that all the time. And that's part of our process, is going, actually, am I going to operate as a son in the kingdom, or am I going to operate compared to the ways of the world which I was born into and which are, in the early days, more familiar to me than this new kingdom that I'm born into? And this played out a bit for me around this message, even. So... Even, when would we say, yesterday morning, I knew the letter was the framework, and I kind of had a sense of what the title was, but that was it, or so I thought. <laughs> and by Friday, I was like, oh, something's not, it's not coming together. Maybe I need to do something. You know, so the operating system was about, it must be me. What do I need to do? So I was like, oh, maybe I need to fast because I'm not really hearing. Maybe I need to start looking up some more scriptures to put in here so I understand this more. Why can't I hear you, God? And actually the truth of it was that he had already said everything that needed to be said. So I did have more than what I thought I had, but it just wasn't enough in my opinion. And, yeah... And this repentance and rest, quietness and trust, it's a different posture. It's not this scurry. He allows that. So he's like, yep, you can be up till 11 o'clock last night stressing about it and saying it's not enough and I can't do it. Or you can stop all of that. So thank goodness for sensible husbands. (laughs) 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 Who, like, literally, this was... I said to Nick, look, I've got this and this, and it doesn't even fit together, and it doesn't flow. And, and Nick said, well, that's, isn't that what he said? I was like, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and that's the point, eh? Like it's, we can make it into this big lofty, it's about all the big things, but actually it's about the way we choose to operate day in and day out. And he, he won't... If he said what he's going to say, he's, if you want an unshakable God and an unmovable God, then he is not going to shake or move. So he's not going to, he will love me through all of that, but he's not going to indulge it. He's not going to say, oh, okay, here's some other stuff. I will get the fruit of unnecessary anxiety from behaving that way. <laughs> Repentance and rest, quietness and confidence. It's not a, like Amanda paid, it's not passive. Like that's not, it, it was easier actually <laughs> for me still to do that. It was not fruit, more fruitful, but it was easier to do that than to just stop and strip it all back. So don't ever think it's, it's not this, well, if he wants to say something, he can. It's about actually being fully, having your ear fully turned to him and expecting what you need to be provided by him, knowing it will be. So the last, so his love for us, how he sees us, our connection to us, our connection to him. So the last piece of this letter that I want to talk about a little bit is where he says, I'm showing you that my grace is sufficient. 
my power is and will change you as long as you allow it. Remember how I spoke courage over you many years ago. You're not becoming courageous. I am making you courageous. That peace. So the Holy Spirit is our teacher. It's one of these funny things, isn't it? He lives in us. But his teaching comes from us living in him, from this yoking, this connection, both ways. He's done his bit in terms of his presence lives in us. But does our, our presence, the core of us, live yoked to him? Because that's where the, the teaching and the exchange happens. So we know that our natural thoughts are not the same as his. And our natural ways aren't his, he says that. My thoughts aren't your thoughts. My ways aren't your ways. My ways are high above yours. So again, like these people new to this kingdom, they don't think and act necessarily like we do because they've come out of a different kingdom. So there will be, in this process of him teaching us, conflict. The two kingdoms will come into conflict. He will say, like he does all the time in the word, this is who you are, and we'll say, well, the evidence is that I'm that. That's not a, in my experience, that's not an infrequent that happens sometimes. Like I'm learning, I'm a citizen of a completely different kingdom, and I'm learning how to be an ambassador of that kingdom. I'm learning how to fully represent that kingdom all of the time. I'm already a citizen, no one can take that because God said that. It also says we are ambassadors already, but I'm learning, I guess, how to be a, a faithful ambassador. He's teaching me is probably a better way to put it. So Romans 12, we talk about the scripture quite a bit. He says, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So transformation, renewing of mind, kingdom mind versus mind with darkened understanding, which is what the world has of mind that cannot see the ways of God. So the process here, this is again the posture piece, so connected to him so we can hear him and what the Holy Spirit's saying as our teacher. And then the other piece of the orientation is, are we prepared or how quickly do we give way to God's thoughts about us when they are in opposition to what we think? So you will think something about yourself. We're all thinking things all the time and about others. And the choice is... How prepared are we to say, okay, that's not my reality in an experience sense. The evidence doesn't support that, in my opinion. But I'm going to give way to that thought, and I'm going to believe what you say. Now, in my experience, sometimes he comes in and he says something, and that's it. Like, from that day on, line in the sand, my mind is renewed, and I never think the same again. Other times there's a process, and actually what we're talking about is repentance, changing the way we think, is about continuing to give way to his thoughts. It's not about, 
We can take this into the flesh and make it about if we just say it more assertively or more, then that means we believe it, whereas actually belief starts in the heart. So when you know that you believe it is when you see it manifest. Okay, so it's not, again, it's a bit tricky because it does say we need to believe, but it's not an act of will. It's a transaction that happens in the heart. And repentance is about, as Sam said, it's not sorry for who I am, but it's about I'm prepared to believe who you say I've always been called to be. I dare to believe. Because when we dare to believe, he will prove himself, because he is truth. Needs to, the posture is, when we're confronted with something that's different to what our experience is, Will we let that seed into our heart? And will we continue then, when we're confronted with the opposite of the evidence, opposite evidence, to think on that thought about how, who he says we are or what he says he's capable of? So I found this beautiful proverb, Māori proverb, a few weeks ago, which says. Ka whingaia, ka tupu, ka puawai. And it means that which is nurtured grows and blossoms. And to me, the way this links is that we're always thinking thoughts in our heads and our hearts. And this posture of repentance and rest is about choosing to nurture his thoughts about us so that they actually have the good soil in our hearts rather than giving ground to things which might be more true to us, but which are not the truth. So that's our choice about what are we going to nurture and let grow in our own lives. Oh, I've got a scripture here without a scripture reference. I could make it a test. <laughs> it's somewhere in Colossians. I think it's Colossians. It's near the end. Someone call it out if you find it. <laughs> what it says, it, it's the... It's the scripture for what I'm saying. It says, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all teaching and admonishing one another. Sorry, with all teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Colossians? Colossians 3.16, there we go. Singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. This piece about dwelling richly. So it's not about the God said some stuff and it might be in my heart somewhere, but it's not at the core of my heart. It's not what I'm really feasting on. And it's interesting that this dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. So admonishing is a, it's kind of like exhorting. It's a relatively firm kind of come on word. So again, this isn't a passive thing, but it's about the giving what he says prime place in our heart. He will then by his spirit, renew the mind. And Oh, you said it really well before, Greg. I even wrote it down. The behaviour will follow. <laughs> Where was it? Yeah, Greg said before, believe his truth and watch your behaviour naturally align. So rather than this off to Egypt, got to sort something out, got to find a better message, just believe what he's saying and see the change. Got an example here. Oh, that's right. I'm attacking right it. 
connection, hearing, giving what he says place in our hearts. This is why it's really important that we can all hear him for ourselves. So there's the macro, because we're all a family, we were all chosen before the beginning of time to be citizens of heaven. All of what's in that book is true for all of us. Our macro calling is the same. But we've had different experiences, we're different people, and our hearts are in different conditions, so to speak. So we need to be able to hear for ourselves what he's saying to us. It will sit under the hole, and it's, I'm not talking here about what he wants you to do. I'm talking about what he needs to restore in your heart so that your thinking changes and you can be wholehearted. That's right. So he can speak through others, but you need to be able to recognise that it's him speaking. And then you need to uh, nurture it in your heart. I can't nurture something in my heart for you and the other way around. We can pray for each other, but it's our own hearts. So an example of this for me, he talks about it a bit in this letter around courage. So really early on in our walks, the Lord started to shake things up as he does. And in our case, he, he changed the external a lot. And I can see why he did that, because he needed to shake things up a lot. And part of what he did is he asked, my life had been really ruled by fear, so it was quite ordered and nothing was ever too stressful and didn't want to work too much or do anything too much, really. Uh, And he said to me, he called me into basically full-time work and leading people. Now, I'd led people before and it had been disastrous and I had sworn I had actually made a vow that I would never do that again. (laughs) And the evidence was that that was... Yeah, didn't go well. So I was quite resistant. And he just continued, as he does, particularly I think when you're new in the Lord and learning to recognise his voice, he just kept saying the same thing over and over and over again. And he kept talking to me out of Joshua 1, 9. And the verse that says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged or terrified. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And I'd get quite cross because I wanted to believe that he wasn't trying to shake things up. And, you know, when I'd just get back to going, oh, no, that wasn't really God, then it would come again. And it would come again. It was just crazy. And so we gave way to what at that time was an external change so that he could do some internal change. And every now and again when things got bigger or ramped up, that scripture would come to mind, but it wasn't a particularly full-on I need to claim it and this is how I am kind of thing. I wouldn't have known to do that actually. It was just something that I knew he was saying. And the crazy thing is now, so that would have been eight, nine years ago, like often in the world, if people are describing me, they will say she's courageous. (laughs) And that's not because of anything I did. I don't even really... It seems strange to me in a sense, right? Because it's not like here is, you kind of notice your behaviour changes because you don't know how. It's it's funny. But it's an example of how that word was nurtured in my heart, but that was it. 
and I was obedient to changes that he was asking me to make in the, so that he could work in my life. It wasn't a, he said that and I changed, like there was a walked out process. But as Greg said, don't, often you won't even notice the change in behaviour happening. You'll just look back and go, man, things are, things are different, I'm different. And when people, remember when I was going through another really struggling time and it was so, felt like nothing was working, I remember him saying to me, if on the other side of this you had done something and you were different, what would you have said? And I was like, yeah, true. I would have said, if you're in the same situation, I did this and that's what you should do. <laughs> Whereas actually, I just needed to wait. I mean, that was a real lesson and just wait where you are and then one day something will change because something's changed in here. So be encouraged. Be encouraged that you have been chosen. Before the foundations of the world, you were chosen before you were born. Be encouraged that his plans are great. And be encouraged that actually, if you just stay with him and give way to what he's saying, then things will change. We will be different. So Father, I just, I just thank you for your, for your great love for us and that you have provided us with everything we need. And I just ask for each of us, Lord, that we would become more and more sensitive to what it is that you're saying to us, Lord, that we would bend down even more quickly to your way, that we would allow your thoughts to be our thoughts. And that we would journey with each other through that, Lord, so that we could be the, the royal priesthood that we are, would shine your light on this earth. In Jesus' name. We should give it to Joe another clap. That was amazing. <laughs> you know, I think um, if you all look at the back of the wall, you'll see our values. And the second one down is intimacy. And what that means is to have an intimate knowledge of him, to know him like he wants to be known. And that's what we just heard. And if you're with us for the first time or the second time, that's, that's one of the things we hold to here is, is we want him to be known for who he truly is on our version of him. And you just did an amazing job of speaking forth him and his way. And I love that. I don't know how I change, but I'm changing. Which means you can't take the glory for the change, but you can be changed which is an intimate knowledge of God that you come into. So thank you again for ministering out of your beautiful teaching gift and the grace that's on that, because the clarity and the simplicity to how you bring it is life-giving. I just want to honor you again, Joe. That was phenomenal. Um, remember, Ian's going to be here with us. Ian's on our apostolic board in a couple, two or three weeks. So we're going to have a fun time with Ian again. He's going to be speaking morning and night. And also, that's another value we have, evangelism, reaching out, inviting people. But we go, mainly, 
but we also want to bring and so they can be exposed to this powerful story of a life and death. This man was pronounced dead for 20 minutes, clinically in a morgue, being bagged and tagged, and he came back into his body. So it's an incredible story that you'd want people to know and hear. Outside of that, have a phenomenal time. If you're going on holiday like we are, have fun, drive safe, have some fun with the sunners. Otherwise, we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. Control.